Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and on this episode of our podcast, we're going to be back in the kitchen. We are actually making chocolate tahini cookies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These are unbelievable. We'll tell you about them when we get to them. we got a one-minute cooking tip. We're going to tell you what's making us happy in food this week. And as you know, we are cookbook authors who have published 36 cookbooks. We have sold almost one and a half million copies of those cookbooks. We have developed tens of thousands of original recipes across our career as contributing editors to Cooking Light and Eating Well and the longest-serving columnist on WeightWatchers.com. We've been in the food industry for a while, and we want to talk about food and cooking with you. So let's get started. Today's one-minute cooking tip is all about how to make the perfectly set fried oh, egg. Oh, this, this is a big one in our house. And this is a sunny side up egg. I will say right now that when I make an egg from Mark, I never flip it because he wants the yolk no. totally runny. No. He even likes the white a little bit runny around no. the yolk. I don't. I like the white totally set. So here's I the- want it. I want it a little bit runny. I see. I would win in, in salt burn if you know the, <laughs> if you know the reference. I'll just leave it there. But I would win at the breakfast table in salt burn. Okay, so go ahead. I like the white totally set, but I don't like to flip my egg. So the way you do it is the French way: you fry an egg covered. That way, the little bit of steam that builds up in that skillet cooks the white all the way up to and sometimes even over the top of the yolk but the yolk stays liquid and the white gets perfectly set now because i like my whites crunchy and not steamed i take the lid off as soon as i see the white set i turn up the heat and i let the bottoms get crispy that's the trick for me and that's why eggs are hard for me oh gosh i don't mean to be a princess i kind of am but uh anyway that's why (laughs) um eggs are hard for me in like diners because what i want is the bottom to be really crispy but i want the yolk to be completely runny and even a little uh, for me, even a little white around the yolk, runny. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty difficult in diners, and I never get them right. That's why I always just order scrambled eggs because I never get it exactly right in a diner. That's a great cooking tip: cook it covered to set the whites, and then take the cover off to get the bottom. It's the French way of doing it. Yep. Okay. Before we get to the kitchen and move there on this podcast, let me say that you are welcome to rate this podcast. You are welcome to write a review of this podcast that is really fantastic we are an unsupported unadvertised podcast by choice and this is the way that you can in fact help support us is you can write a simple review or give us a rating dare i ask for five stars okay give us a rating or write a review and or write a review on any of the podcast platforms that you see, we would most appreciate that. It helps the analytics find our podcast, which I realize is not your problem, but is certainly ours, and it's a way you can help support us. Okay, let's get to the kitchen. We are making chocolate tahini cookies. Now, I know tahini is not an ingredient most people think about in cookies. We wrote a book a while back called The Ultimate Chocolate Cookie Book. And in (laughs) that book... What book haven't we written? We put a recipe for vegan chocolate chip cookies, which use tahini in them to add protein and to give a crunchy texture. And what's really fascinating is that those cookies are crunchy, 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 but the cookies we're making today with tahini are fudgy, and they will and, stay fudgy and these for days. Are chocolate 
tahini cookies, right. not chocolate chip right. tahini cookies. These are actually chocolate cookies. We're going to actually melt some chocolate here. So we should say before we get going that this is a recipe from Philip Corey's book, A New Way to Bake. It's a vegan cookbook. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, Philip Corey was on this podcast. Go back and check out the episode with him. He is the pastry chef for Herod's. The, the head, head pastry, pastry chef. chef for Herod's. And he has a vegan baking book. That honestly has gotten so much use in our house. You you must realize that cookbooks come through our house on a daily basis because we're on every publicist and every publisher's list, of course, to get free books. And we get dozens of cookbooks, really. And I mean, it's crazy. And Phillips came through, and it's actually one that's gotten kept and used. <laughs> the Bakewell tart is astounding. But okay, let's go on to the chocolatini cookies. And what's really unexpected from a world-class pastry chef is that this is a one-bowl recipe. Okay, so... And it's all in weight in ounces and grams. So I've already turned the oven on, so you heard all that beeping. The oven is at 325 convection or 170 centigrade. Fan, as they, they say so in the UK. 325 convection or 170 fan. Right. And I am now lining a baking sheet with parchment. I have become the fan of parchment Me recently. Too. And we're going to probably do a whole a whole episode talking about Me why too. parchment is so I, fabulous. I have to tell you that I have gotten incredibly into parchment because I'm cooking, as you probably know, more vegan. And What I'm, does vegan and parchment have in common? Because you have to roast so many things in the oven and I don't think they come out well on Silpat. Like when I roast cauliflower that's coated in miso, it comes out better on parchment because it's closer to the hot surface. Yeah, and I don't want to be cleaning metal pans. Well, yeah, that's also true, but um, it's closer to the hot surface of the pan. So, hey, let me also say before we get going and rolling here with the microwave, let me also say that uh, if your uh, baking sheets are warped, now is the time to replace them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm moving on, and I've got 180 grams or about six and a half ounces of dark chocolate. And I'm chopping it, but while I chop it, why don't you talk about what dark chocolate actually is? Okay, so the whole thing about chocolate uh, involves the percent of cocoa solids in the chocolate. And the bigger the percent of cocoa solids, you've probably seen this, 70, 80%, the darker the chocolate. We don't want to go all the way here up to 85 and 90%. That's too bitter and dark for these cookies. So we want to sit at 70, 75, 80% cocoa solids in our dark chocolate. All right, now I'm putting this in a glass bowl because he, the author, Philip Curry, the, the head pastry fancy chef, pastry says the chef. best way to do this is in the microwave. So yeah. I'm setting it for 30-second increments, and what's fascinating is that it's in the microwave. Now, there are other ways to do chocolate, right? Usually you hear about it in a double boiler, which means set this bowl I have over a small pot of simmering water and let the steam heat the bowl, but that can cause a problem, can it? Yes, it can. And in fact, chocolate can seize in a double boiler because the steam can escape from the sides and actually come down and condense into the melting chocolate, which causes the cocoa solids to break out and it quote-unquote seizes, which means it becomes grainy and not smooth. But if you do this in microwave, it's easier. But here's my trick, and what I would really encourage you to do is let this go for a bit, as we've done, but then in subsequent heatings in the microwave, cut down the time. So go for 20 seconds, 15 seconds, five seconds. Just keep cutting it down until about, and this is the really key, two-thirds of the chocolate is melted. So Mark and I can see, but you can't see, that this chocolate is not at two-thirds melted yet, and I don't want to risk it burning. So we're going to cut and come back when it is all totally melted and stirred up. 
we actually cut down, as we said, the, the microwaving each time in terms of time. And we stirred a lot until it was about two-thirds melted, as we told you. And then we took it out and put it on the counter. And we just kept stirring because the residual heat of that chocolate will go ahead and melt the rest of it. Okay, so this is a one-bowl technique. So now what do we do? We have this bowl on a scale, which is going to be the best way to measure everything that goes in. <laughs> and we're putting in 100 grand. You've heard us talk about scales oh, before. No, they I'm are laughing. the best way no, to cook. Go ahead. Go so, ahead. You're running against the grain here in I North America. I am whisking in 100 grams or three and a half ounces of tahini. What's tahini? It's a sesame paste. Mm. And it is used in a lot of different applications, which you might know it best from hummus. Oh, yeah. As Can't make it without it. <laughs> the base flavor of most if you keep tahini in the refrigerator, this is the problem. It'll seize the chocolate. So your tahini must be at room temperature. It must be. Otherwise, the chocolate will basically re-solidify from the cold of the tahini. And if you see any oil separation in the tahini, you need to stir that back into the tahini before you measure out 100 grams or 3.5 ounces. Okay, so enough of that. So now that we've got that, Bruce is going to whisk in 180 grams or let's say six and a half ounces of dark, 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 more molasses flavor, please, dark brown sugar. And this is really smooth and this is beautiful and it's thick and it's like a syrup and now I'm putting in a half a teaspoon of cinnamon. Of ground cinnamon. Ground cinnamon and now we come to the secret ingredient in most of this vegan cooking. So what we're going to do is we're gonna still got the bowl on the scales, and we're going to put in 100 grams or 3.5 ounces of a plant-based milk. Now, we are using unsweetened almond milk. My favorite. But you could use unsweetened, notice my words, unsweetened oat milk. You could use cashew milk. Soy milk. Soy milk, pea milk. You just need a plant-based milk here as your egg substitute. And the reason we want to do this with the plant-based milk is because it's got some proteins mm -hmm. in it in the same way that eggs have, not the same proteins, but in the same way that eggs have some proteins, different proteins in them. Yeah, and that's what Phil explained to me in that interview is that this liquid is basically an egg substitute in this recipe. It has both protein and moisture. So now you're going to put in a teaspoon of baking powder mm -hmm. and three quarters of a teaspoon of baking soda mm -hmm. and then, you know, tear your scale, set it back to zero <laughs> again. And now without doing anything fancy, add 150 grams or 5.3 ounces of all-purpose flour to the batter. And I'm going to mix this in with a rubber spatula. I think that's a very old-fashioned thing. Everything is silicone now, yeah, right? It's a it silicone is. spatula. It is. It okay. is. I'm still calling it a rubber I know, spatula. I know. In fact, I've had a fight with copy editors in our cookbooks because I still call them a rubber spatula because I think that's the terminology. And the copy editors are always saying, is it a silicone spatula? I'm like, I know. But, uh, okay, rubber spatula. And we're doing it just until this batter is streak-free, meaning that all this flour is incorporated. And this is thick. This is a thick batter. This isn't a cake batter. This is a cookie batter. And the reason we didn't do it in the mixer, which would have made this part so much easier, is we don't want to overwork this flour. Yeah. We don't want to develop the glutens. We want soft and fudgy so cookies. So now tear the scale, you know, set it back to zero. Make sure you press that button and put the scale back to zero. And we're going to scoop out 50 gram blobs of this mixture. So that means when we take out the right amount, the scale will go down to negative 50 Very grams. Very cool. Very cool. Right? I do the same thing when I make meatballs. So we're pulling them out. 
out. And as we do that, we're both rolling these into balls. We're putting it on the cookie sheet. We're going to make 12 of them, and it should come out exactly if we've measured it. They are going to bake 10 minutes. You don't press the balls down. You just let them be. And then we're well, going to essentially melt down. They will melt down a bit. So we're going to cut and come back when they come out of the oven. All right, they've not only come out of the oven, but they have cooled on the baking tray on a cooling rack for 10 or 15 minutes. So what's going to happen here is the longer they cool, the more they're going to firm up. So what we should do now is take them off this baking tray with the parchment and put them right onto the wire rack. But you know what's going to happen. We are going to actually taste one while it's still hot. They will firm mm. up more as they cool. They're going to be a little gooey right now, but they are really super delicious. I, I This recipe is so easy because it's a one-ball recipe. By the way, if you want to see a video of Bruce making this recipe, check out our TikTok channel, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, or check out our Facebook group, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, you can see Bruce actually making these cookies in a video and oh, yours truly tasting them there. But we're going to taste them right now. So, they're, wow, God, they're so hot. Yeah, they're good. They're fudgy. I'm sure these are like brownie cookies. These are much better when they come to room temperature. We're just raising this because we want them. They do mm-hmm. taste like brownies. The tahini has a slight savory taste in them. I can't explain it any other way. It has a slight nutty savory taste. I, what is that taste? Mm. It's it's really. Well, it is a sesame taste. Yeah, but and, it's it gives it a savory note inside of all the sweetness. Well, it's really nice because the sweetness is all from brown sugar, right? So it's right. a very molasses flavor. Right. And then you have the dark chocolate, which isn't terribly sweet. Mm. And then you've got this mm. earthy umami of the sesame paste. So these are really high protein cookies to yeah. begin with. They're not very high in sugar. And they just have a deliciousness that, uh, thank you, Phil. These are great. Yeah, these are great. I wonder, and now you maybe you could try that out and tell me. Um, I wonder, I think these would still freeze a bit soft. And if you froze them soft, then you could make ice cream sandwiches out of them. And then Mm. then we would be talking life itself. All Mm. right. That's the recipe from the kitchen today. We made Phil. Corey's recipe for chocolate tahini cookies. It was super simple, a one-bell technique. We drew it out as long as we possibly could, but still, nonetheless, <laughs> it goes a lot faster without our talking on top of it. But still, nonetheless, these are a really delicious cookie, and you should try them. And again, check out our TikTok channel and check out our Facebook feed for Bruce making them in a video. Okay, up to our last segment of this episode of Cooking with Bruce and Mark, what's making us happy in food this week? For me, it's pheasant. And here's the thing. <laughs> we have a friend who shoots pheasant it's so crazy. and give us pheasant. pheasant. What, what, what a snotty cookbook. No, it's going to get even got. better. Okay, because come on. Sadly, our chest freezer broke oh, last week. This was a terrible nightmare. If you know Bruce, his entire well-being <laughs> is connected to having a freezer that could you know, survive the apocalypse. <laughs> and we always have enough meat that we could survive years at the societal breakdown. But the so freezer not, busted. And not everything fit in the other freezer. So one of the <laughs> things that had to be cooked right away were these pheasants. And these were pheasants from our friend. So I did something that I have never done before. I did this Chinese dish 
which is usually cold hacked chicken in a chili sauce. And I used pheasant. So I blanched these birds just until they were cooked. So they're not really boiled, but they're sort of just cooked. You chill them, you chop them up, and you toss them in chili sauce. So what's making me happy this week is cold chopped pheasant in chili sauce. Uh. It, it's amazing. And what's making me happy in this week is the opposite end of things. And that is um, butternut squash and parsnips from an air fryer. Mm-hmm. And we had these the other night and we had leftovers. And Bruce just made these in the air fryer to go with leftovers. And they were so delicious that I have to admit that I don't, well, it was a leftover piece of roast beef that we were eating. And I have to admit that I didn't eat much of the roast beef. I ate the vegetables. And you just got these into um, what, three, four inch links? Basically, I cut them all so they looked like baby carrots. Yeah, about that size. And then he sprayed them with olive oil spray, right? And you put them in the uh, air fryer and how 400 long? degrees. It took about 20, 25 minutes. I tossed them every five minutes or so, and they were browned and crispy and tender and sweet. There was something about the combination of butternut squash and parsnips that was really great. I think it was the sweetness and the softness of the butternut squash and the somewhat bitter edge to the parsnips. Parsnips were sweet, but they do have a bitter edge. They don't get that same creamy sauce. No, no. They get almost crunchy, and the butternut squash got creamy. It was a combination of flavor and texture. It's a really great thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Try it in your air fryer and cut down butternut squash and um, uh, parsnips into well, I, I keep wanting to say thick matchsticks. It's thicker than a pencil. Again, it, like baby carrots in the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About like like that. your finger. Yeah, and uh, uh, try it in the air fryer. It's absolutely delicious. Okay, that's our podcast for this week. Thanks for being a part of this journey with us. If you want to be on this journey more with us, we have a newsletter. You can find it on our website, bruceandmark.com. You can sign up there. I do not capture your emails. I do not allow the mail provider, the email service provider, to capture your emails. You can unsubscribe at any time. The newsletter is sometimes connected to this podcast, recipes and such, but often not. It's often about our lives in New England or the books we're currently working on, that kind of thing. You can sign up there at BruceAndMark.com. And every week we tell you what's making us happy in food this week. So go to our Facebook page, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, and share what is making you happy in food this week. And if it's really fun and delicious, we'll talk about it here on Cooking with Bruce and Mark.